When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, Paisani. We're in the dog days of summer, but summer plus Italy equals Mediaset Italia. Experience an Italian entertainment getaway on DirecTV with all the newest drama, variety, news, and entertainment from Mediaset Italia. Get Mediaset Italia a la carte for $10 a month plus taxes or Italian Direct Package for $20 a month plus taxes. Call 877-778-4794 today. That's 877-778-4794. World Direct a la carte service requires activation of a qualifying base package. Hardware is available separately. Additional fees and restrictions apply, and new customer offers require an equipment lease and credit approval. Other conditions apply. Call 1-877-778-4794 or visit att.com for full details. Now, enjoy the show. That you're born an Italian If you want your life to be great See that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great From the moment you're a small bambino You eat pizza, you drink vino Then they make you roly-poly You get stuffed with ravioli If your mama's a paisano You will have the world on a plate So see that you're born an Italiano And your life will be great And buon feragosto to everybody out there in podcast land I'm John Viola welcoming you back to the Italian American Podcast it is the weekend of Ferragosto. That's the holiday in Italy where everybody stops working for two weeks. And we, the Italian-American cousins, unfortunately only have a few days to celebrate the assumption and the uh, the end of summer coming up. I hope everybody's enjoying it. I hope some of you are out there at the beach listening to this. And today, believe it or not, we were not going to have yeah, an episode. Sean has called for an emergency episode. Yeah. We this were... is like when they break in on the news podcast. Not the news. news <laughs> this is breaking news. Breaking news. Yeah, we were not going to have an episode today uh, because we were going to take the holiday off. Because normal people on a Friday in the summer are not hanging out in an office recording. That's true. And most right. people are at the beach. That's what normal people do. But here we are, Pat and I. And the reason we're here together is because it's been a breaking news week in the Italian-American community. A lot of really important stuff has come up. And because we want to be a voice for the Italian-American community, we have to be here to report on it. So Pat and I are together, both of us uh, putting off our vacation days a little bit here to, to get this. You're actually leaving tonight, right? You're, you're taking off in a few hours. So. I don't I don't go. I'm not going on a vacation. I'm going to a wedding. Not fair enough. Yeah. That's work. Today's weddings are work. <laughs> That's not kidding. And, and costly. But uh, 
I'm going to be going for my grandparents tomorrow, but we wanted to get this done. John has a very special day tomorrow, for those of you who don't know. Oh, yes. Tomorrow is my birthday, August 17th. So tonight is the vigil of his birthday. <laughs> he celebrates. Him and his wife yeah. burn candles yeah, and right. have incense. Yeah. And Another year gone. Another year gone. and it Doing starts. the Italian-American thing. When am I going to get a real job? That's been, that's been the past 10 years. But do you like your birthday? No, I hate my birthday. You know, I hate my birthday. I hate my birthday. Well, my birthday, my birthday comes at a good time of year. It's, it's a little bit overlooked with the new year, yeah. Yeah, but it's easy because you get hit with both. You get hit with the new year and the birthday all within two weeks. Yeah, you're done. And you're like, I'm done for a year. Mine was always tough because we'd go to Italy in Ferragosto, so we'd always be on vacation in Italy. And you get that beautiful casada cake. Oh, I wish okay. I had those problems. I well, love... John hates casada. If my mother ever that's listens like to these shows, thing in the I'll world. be No, that's my but... favorite. You should just take it and give it to me. <laughs> I don't like If you guys want to know, because if I could plug Rosella's uh, store, LaBella Marketplace, yeah. go to LaBella Marketplace. They have casadas shipped in. You can't beat them for the price. They're the real Sicilian. They're fantastic. Yeah. Absolutely. They're beautiful to, to, I mean, yeah, to, to look at them, but just too much sugar for me. But every summer, we've been in Italy. I love casada cake. Every aspect of the casada I love. I love the candied fruit, I love the marzipan. I, I every, every but you know, it's not really, dog. it's not marzipan. Pistachio. pistachio. The green part's pistachio, yeah. but the white is marzipan, right? No, the green part's pistachio paste. Sure, but then there's green and then there's white on top. That's white icing. That's white icing. That's white icing. There's no marzipan. In a, in, nowadays, they, they use green marzipan a lot of the time. Oh, because she But a real, because real, I made it one time for my grandmother and my mother, and we... How did it come out? Uh, the pistachio paste was harder to work than almond paste. It was more tacky, and it took a lot of flour See, to get it. My take on that is something that complicated, you're better off buying some things you should make at home. It. I couldn't. I, I could find pistachio. Like I think we found like. Go a listen to me. Puree. If you're out there and you're in the New York metro area, this is not a plug because I love Rosella and her family and her husband. This is an actual. This is a complete. This is a food unbiased. endorsement. This is a, this is a culinary endorsement. endorsement. They are phenomenal. Her the casada that they have in the refrigerators. It's in the frozen section. Is fantastic. Because I go and buy. They don't know when I go there. Because I'm not. Because you know the Italian. Oh yeah, no, I go. I do my shopping. You sneak in and out. I sneak in and I sneak out. I, I don't know. For me, Casata Cakes always remind me my summers, my birthdays, being in Italy, which is great, but just like a toothache. It's like so much sugar. It's all sugar. I, was, I don't know. See, I like liquory-based cakes, like rum cakes. That's so Italian. I love a rum cake. My wife's family makes this like a Buzzese rum cake. It's like, Do they really? Oh, yeah. It's good. John's in-laws make these fantastic pancakes. Oh, yeah. The Tuscan Crepes? Side. What would you call them? Yeah, they like crepes. crepes. Nietzsche. The chestnut based, I actually, I don't know, really, the highest honor you've ever given me was to participate in the Nietzsche. Well, probably that Nicole gave me. Yeah, that's, that's right. a That's a true mark of love that was Nicole. A, that was a great day. That I got to see. And the Nietzsche iron. Like, yeah. That's from Napoleonic. Yeah, they're, they're That's in her off. family since, like, yeah. you know, Napoleon was in they, grammar school. They really so are. It's a cast it's iron. Heirlooms, it's like yeah. a medieval crepe uh, pan. Yeah, I, it's two cast iron plates on these giant metal bars that they actually use on usually a fire or the grill but her grand the, the best part was her grandma said it was like made by the blacksmith yeah it, it's so this is when you used old. to used to get a bespoke yeah frying crepe pan plate. crepe pan from the yeah. black when he wasn't doing horseshoes and it made it way, its way over from tuscany to here and they care for it too they like they rub it with the egg yeah yolk that was that funny the curing bizarre she was saying it was like an egg an egg yolk yeah i don't know it, it had to be hot i, I mean they were delicious and they were simple. Yeah, that's like they that's, were it was chestnut very, flour and water. Yeah, just chestnut flour and water with a little bit of ricotta, and that was that delicious. Was, yeah, that was delicious. Yeah, that was a, it was a nice day. And my my in laws and my wife's grandmother make those, and they are. But they make a rum treat. cake. My wife's a Abruzzese side does, 
Yeah. So your father-in-law is going to mix a yeah, lot of cake. So what is it, like a pandespania soaked in rum? Yeah, rum with like, uh, sometimes I use like a chocolate spread, and then it's, uh, some of the aunts do like the white icing on top, like the white. So who makes this? Is it all my Can wife's you, aunts. It's good? Uh, yeah, it's very good. It's, it's, got, I, I would it's like not rum, than you. it's not rum, it's vermouth. Yeah, I could live with that. <laughs> you would like it. It's very... Um, you got to hint around. i got to get an invite. It's very old Italian. Like, it's like very... Uh, Are they, do they listen? Uh, I don't know. Because I appreciate it. See, Franca follows the web, the web page. Because when you Facebook. make stuff for me, I really... It's, I, 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 we can I go. We can go, we can go do it. As a matter of fact, my, my wife's cousin owns an ice cream company called Bon and Bona Ice Cream. And if you're out there... This is a free plug for my cousin-in-law, Nick. We're, like, we're doing infomercials today. I know, we are. But he does make all Italian-American flavors, like rainbow cookies and cannolis and all these things that he grew up with. And he's trying to make it out of the rum cake. But we're getting nothing out of this, so you guys know out there. This is just... That's true. We're not, we're not getting, we're not getting no one. I, I bet you I wouldn't even get a free no. ice cream. Now, they'll probably give me a free You think I would get a free ice cream? Yeah, I can send you If some I go with you, I might yes. get a free ice cream. We'll get you some. It's great. It's trucks all over the tri-state area. Not that I can't pay. Not, I would pay for the ice cream, but <laughs> it's no, good. It's he a makes little... fantastic ice cream. But anyway, we digress on my birthday. And all those memories. But do you think you get a cassava cake? I hope not. No, no. Did your mother only get? You don't get a cassava cake here. Not in the U.S. No, thank God. Because a cassava cake in the U.S. is also different too. A lot of the old Italian American bakeries make cassava with the whipped cream. You want to know something else though too? And I, this guy doesn't even know me. Dolce in Hawthorne, New Jersey, makes a phenomenal cassava cake. The Italian style. The, uh, it's a, this, yeah. it's a, it, you can't get any more Sicilian. It's yeah. a Villa Alba quality. Because I know a lot of the older bakeries, even the Sicilian bakeries, like they, the cake is the same, the ricotta filling is the same, they use the candied fruit, but they don't use any of the pistachio or almond paste, and they don't use the drizzle icing, they use like a frosting, like a whipped frosting on the outside, and like more nuts. Well, there's multiple, the, the cassata, I mean, I know that the cassata with the with the um, candied fruit yeah. is made in Sicily by people at home, yeah, and Sicilians here at home. But there are multiple kinds of cassata because there's also a baked cassata. Yeah. I think the area um, around Shaka at Easter time they make a baked. Really. I think, and I think it's almost it's like a it's like a bastida almost like a pie with ricotta. But I don't. I'm not. I'm not an expert in Sicilian cake. Well, the cassata, the That's word a, for cassata, I believe, if I remember it correctly, comes from the Arabic for uh, a pie. But yeah, cassata, yeah. something, yeah. something that won't matter. So I'm, I'm assuming there's a lot of ways. And you know, I was, I did a uh, project in uh, Campania, in Pozzuoli, I think, and I worked with a group called Archeo Cucina, where they revived using whatever written fragments they could find and any mosaic or artistic representations of food, revived Roman recipes. So they did all these dinners that we would go to, and one of the dinners was a was a full Roman meal, everything from like pig's udders and all this, you know, really unique stuff. In the end, they made a cassata based on Roman ingredients because they had seen more than one or, or one famous one in a fresco somewhere, and they kind of reverse engineered what it was. And it, it tasted like cassata, but there was no sugar back then, so they used it's honey. Hot. and Yeah, it was really fascinating. But what was it beside? I mean, like... It was basically like a, a, a little bit of a denser cake that it got to, with honey and nut filling, and somehow a, a pinkish frosting and then some fruits on top. It was it was like a rustic cassata. It didn't hold its shape as well as the current. But you ones. can't make the candied fruits without no, sugar. without sugar. Yeah. So it was just dried fruits, you know, uh, sultanas and things like that. I mean, you got to give the Romans credit. They did a lot for what they had at their disposal. Oh sure. Yeah. Did you see? We started out with this breaking news, and now we're talking about cassata. <laughs> see, wrong priorities. Did you say they did excavations? It was either in Pompeii or Herculaneum. Ercolano. 
Hercule- what's that go on in English? Herculaneum? Where they found a bag, and it looks like amulets, of no. witchcraft amulets. Really? You didn't see this, honestly? No. Yeah, it came up in the news earlier in the week, and it looks like there were horns. Inside. Really? Yeah. Like horns, like the Gordon? Yeah, the Gordon horns. Really? I mean, yeah, I mean, it was like BBC reporting, so I don't think they got the cultural... To be honest with you, that's part of the whole point of this episode. Like, you know... I get my newsfeed every morning, Italian and Italian American news, and I go through it to see if stuff is pertinent for the show. And this week was interrupted by two events that were so overwhelming in terms of the amount of news that I was getting that I kind of just stopped reading and, and sort of focusing on these two events because I haven't seen the Italian American community in the news this much in the past few years. So I've been ignoring everything else. But two events come right on the heels of the summer holiday that we're going to talk about today. The first, of course, is if you have been living under a rock, you might have missed this, but this whole giant uh, brudel surrounding Chris Cuomo, the CNN anchor, and an altercation that he had uh, last weekend uh, in which he was approached by an unidentified... Uh, heckler? Yeah, he was approached by a heckler. I mean, I, assume, I don't have the background Yeah, from what I've seen. Who basically was... Was filming him already when he approached him and called him Fredo, and uh, Chris Cuomo really didn't take it well, exploded, a little bit of a profanity-laced tirade. And if you haven't seen the news, we're going to play you uh, the audio right now. If you're listening with your family, we are censoring it. We're going to bleep it out, Um, so it might just be a lot of beeps, but just to give you a sense of what we're talking about. So take a listen. I thought, that, I, thought, I thought that's who you were. No, punk-ass bitches from the right call me Fredo. My name is Chris Cuomo. I'm an anchor on CNN. Oh, you're much... Fredo is from the Godfather. He was that weak brother. Isn't that your and brother? And they use though? it as an Italian aspersion. Any of you Italian? Oh, Are you Italian? I gotta, I gotta look it's a f- insult to your people. It's an insult to your f***ing people. It's like the N-word for us. Wow. So is that a cool thing? You're a much more reasonable guy in person than you seem to be on television. Yeah, but if you want to play, then we'll if you've got something you want to say about what I do on television, then say it, but don't be the fault of me. Hey, hey, listen. What? I don't want any problems. Yeah, you're going to have a big f***ing problem. What's the problem? It's a little different on TV. Don't f***ing insult me like that. I didn't insult you. You call me Fredo. It's like I call you punk You like that? You want that to be your nickname? I didn't call you that. You called me Fredo. You know my name's not f***ing Fredo. I thought your name was. You did not think my name was Fredo. Don't be a liar. You want to be a man. Stand up like a man. I'm standing up, man. You want to be a man up here. Then own it. Then own what you said. Then own what you said. You're going to have a f-ing problem. What? What are you going to do about I'll, it? I'll f-ing ruin you. I'll f-ing throw you down these stairs like a f-ing punk. Please do. Why? Why? So you can sue? You don't want to. So you can sue? Well, why don't you do it? Go take a swing. You want to call me Fredo? Take a f-ing swing. Take a f-ing swing. Watch your f-ing hands. Take a swing. Watch your f-ing hands. Take a swing. No, no, come on, boy. Come on, boy. So you want to call me f-ing? Call me f-ing. Hey, listen, man. I'm not doing anything. Wreck your shit. I'll fucking wreck your shit. Stop. You didn't know what you were doing when you called me Fredo. I thought it was your name, man. Break it up now. I thought it was your name. You didn't know, right? Hey, you didn't know what you were saying, right? I thought it was his name. You're breaking it up. I'm breaking it up. This is my buddy. Hey, look at all these cameras. You're in for it. You're in for it. I'm in for what? You're in for it. You're in for it. You call me Fredo? Yeah. So it was. that's pretty intense. And I mean... This is in no way critical of his reaction because apparently he was out with his family, approached by this guy who was clearly goading him on and wanted to get a reaction. And and as you hear there, mentions that he's filming him and that he's quote-unquote going to get it. And uh, in this, as he addresses Chris as Fredo, 
not only does it set him off, but he also points out that he feels that this is a slur against Italians. And I, I got to tell you, the news cycle's been running. I mean, Vanity Fair, every magazine, The New Yorker, BBC, and the conversation's gone 10 different directions. You know, was he wrong to react? Is this a slur against but, Italians? But there's three... There's three and, and just so you guys know, we never pre-discuss conversations because then we're repeating what we already discussed. So we think we're going to be, we're going to discuss something in the podcast. We save the conversation for when we're here. But I was thinking about this because we were texting amongst ourselves about this. There's three separate issues that happen. I think there's the issue of him being out with his family, and yeah, an approach, an approached. I was kind of I was kind of uh, impressed. With the consensus in the media, yeah, that that wasn't acceptable. That should be off limits. Because like the first time in like in a country that's so divided, it was nice to see everybody on the same page for once. Yeah. So I think that even people who don't like him or like CNN or like his family, whatever, I think there's a general consensus that you shouldn't provoke the guy. Yeah. You shouldn't rat. You should leave the guy alone if he's out with his family. I even saw. You no, know, I Hannity think that's. Yeah, I think that was kind of a, that was a that was like an old America that we kind of missed. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. That was kind of like everybody saying like, out of respect of his family and his yeah. kids and stuff and his own downtime, you should have left him alone. Yeah. So you know, if there's any positive that came out of this, I think it was that consensus. And I think that the thing is that the news media, I would assume that they've all gone through this. Yeah. In their private lives, so I think that there's probably a sympathy, there's a collective sympathy from and them. CNN came out in support right away. I mean, the the network released a statement supporting him. It was. Not an issue with his employer, you know. That that was I thought that was important. But I think the second issue is what bothered me. Now I don't see Fredo as an ethnic insult. I don't perceive it as such. I could see how it was perceived as such because I think if it was Italian to Italian, I wouldn't see it as an ethnic insult. Mm-hmm. But what kind of disturbed me in the media was like laughing off that there was an Italian American stereotype or that you know like there's like no such thing as an Italian slur yeah I don't think and I I don't think it's the n-word for Italian Americans I would say Guinea yeah if you want to infuriate my grandmother if you want to set the rockets off Guinea would have been the term I think if the guy would have approached him and called him a Guinea would have been a different I wonder how many kids even in the New York New York metro area today I'd say kids who are under 21 would even know what that phrase was I don't know because I one thing that I noticed was there's a there was a response in the media Saying like, what do you mean that like, an Italian American slur? Yeah, and I was like, well, you're already with a generation of people who really don't have a, a sense of that. No, not at all. My grandparents' generation, with the World War II generation, was super sensitive to this. Yeah, and now the generation which would have been their great grandchildren doesn't even know it existed. Yeah, it's amazing. I was I was fascinated. It's part of the reason I called you and said like, you know, I knew we should talk about this and. Part of the reason was because I saw so many people I know from the Italian-American academic community out there writing about this in all different periodicals, magazines, newspapers, websites. And, you know, I saw so many reactions. I saw the exploration of the character of Fredo. There was pieces out there talking about maybe Fredo's like the anti-hero and then explorations of the gravity of the word and the intensity of the word and is it a slur at all? What it, you know? What does it mean about toxic masculinity that, that but, Fredo? Uh, but had I a, take yeah. Fredo more as an insult, as the dumb brother. So if you take the narrative of Fredo from the Godfather series, Fredo is the older brother who, by birthright, should have inherited the throne from his father. Right. But because of his diminished intellect, I guess that's the best term. Yeah. Um, is surpassed by his younger brother. So. Um, 
I had Chris Cuomo with the eldest brother. And that phrase was used. I would understood with it with the um, literary ties came. Sure, but now I also I think the guy who threw that out there wasn't sitting around contemplating what. You, but do you think the guy that threw it out there would have done it if Chris Cuomo wasn't Italian? I mean, who knows? Yeah. I was in D.C. when this all hit there, and I was with someone who was um, from the Midwest, like an, a quarter Italian American, eighth Italian American in their early thirties. This group of us having lunch. And I was with someone who had no in the same age bracket, all lawyers who had no Italian American, no Italian background, yeah. and grew up in in California. And we were discussing this, and they had all seen The Godfather. And I had said to them because you know, being hyper New Jersey, hyper Italian from New Jersey, I I wondered if somebody from California who grew up in a waspy part of America where he was from, he's like, no, we all have seen it. So I think it's kind of part of the. Um, I guess lexicon, is that the right word I want to use? An American film where everyone's kind of seen it. But um, they didn't see it as as an ethnic uh, slur. Slur. They didn't see the ethnicity behind it. The thing to me that I took away from from the whole ethnicity question is we can't forget that his father, again, wherever you are politically, one of the great orators, one of the great... Political philosophy. Sure, you, you can years. you can disagree with Mario yeah. Cuomo across the board, but you got to respect the guy. But you got to say the man was talented. Oh, incredibly right? so. Incredibly. You know, and, and totally disagreeing politically. Who who really was being drafted and begged by his party to run for the presidency of the United States come 1991, 92, and the a then dark horse candidate, a then governor of Arkansas, Bill Clinton. Says he's mafia-like in his behavior, or you know, he he acts like a I, mafia don. If I remember correctly, was it Jennifer? Was it was was it on a, a, a taped phone call with Jennifer Flowers? I, I mean, it's a long I time mean, ago, yeah. and we're not checking Google, no, remember, right? Yeah. And if it's like that, would have been nineteen ninety-one. Yeah. And I think Jennifer Flowers said like he comes off like he's in the mafia, and then Bill Clinton like it seems so or something like it was something like yeah. that, right? And that's obviously yeah. the Italian. It's the fact that with the Italian went far, he had to be connected, yeah. right? Because we we created civilization, but we just can't. <laughs> but we can't seem to do. We can't else. seem to do anything else if it's not yeah. uh, organized crime related. But I, I would be sensitive to it too if I was in that position. I, I really would. And I just want to say before we go on to the next strange Italian American news topic of the week, that you know what? If it, I was in that position, I actually. I admire the guy for standing up, for to being around his family. Uh, I don't think these people deserve to be hounded and bothered, and I certainly don't think that whether or not it's akin to any other ethnic slur, the use of the term Fredo for a guy like that was random. I think if he wasn't Italian, I really believe that term would have never been used. And I find it interesting that like I'm reading what I can from the community, talking to people who are in community leadership, and trying to figure out, is there any consensus on this? And I think I'm seeing a consensus a little bit like, okay, he overreacted, but he had a right to be upset. It, it is an insult. That's not what we're there. saying. That's what everybody no, I think it's a consensus. That's a consensus. That's a consensus. I, think it, I think people... I don't think he overreacted. I mean, I don't, I don't think he... Over, I don't think he overreacted as far as his downtime being... No, I think, I think you know, language, his tone might have been a little bit overreacting in people's minds. I don't think he overreacted, personally. I really don't. I... I mean, you know, then you get all these conversations about toxic masculinity and all this stuff. So it's like, I, I don't... Have they ever been to Italians in New York? I, mean, <laughs> I, don't I, don't, know, I know someone now is not be insulted. Like, but in a lot of parts of New Jersey, that was an under, understated reaction. Yeah, I think so. I think he was kind of calm. I mean, if you're I've from seen. other parts of America, I'm sure <laughs> yeah, that's a scandal. It's crazy, but I mean, but... I would be curious to what 
was the reaction of the Cuomo kids when the Clinton comments came about in 1991? I'd love to know. I remember how infuriating it was. Yeah. Right? I, I, me... It isn't connected with the support or not support of Mario Cuomo. You know, it was really infuriating because it was like, ha ha, he made a mafia reference. I mean, what other ethnic group could have had a presidential candidate make that kind of comment? No. And, you know, no. we were supposed to laugh it off because we're the, ba- we're the you know. Yeah. I'm not usually one to share the personal details of my family life on the air. But um, so for those who are unaware, uh, my family is the owners of... Uh, the National Hockey League franchise in, in South Florida, the Florida Panthers. And when we purchased the team six years ago now, I remember going down really excited because we had always wanted to own a hockey franchise. And here we were in Miami and Fort Lauderdale, an area that we really liked. And we spent a lot of time with my grandparents growing up. We were all excited. And we went down and there was a big press conference and we all wore jerseys. And the franchise had been in really bad shape for a really long time. And, uh, when we got home, I was all excited about sort of reading the news and seeing my dad and this and that. And uh, I remember going on a fan board and thinking to myself, wow, these fans are going to be really excited because here's you know stable ownership and change. And, but, and a lot of the comments on the fan board were like, good thing the arena has large parking lots so that these guys can bury the people that upset them and... You know, these Italians... From it's the, infuriating. I mean, this is 20, it's absolutely 2015, it's really whatever infuriating. it was, you know, 2013. And I'm reading these things, and I thought to myself, gosh, this stuff is real. Like, people really do think this way about us. And, I, it's, it's it, you know, we can't get upset about everything, but these kind of things do have... They touch a nerve. Yeah, but we allowed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you take the Godfather trilogy, right? That American Film Institute. Yeah. Top 100 films of the 20th century, or Godfather came in three. Yeah, not right number. Th- so yeah, it's one of the most important. Right, films. and but it was written by an Italian American. And you know, if you want to go back in, in Cuomo history, in a pre-internet age when media truly was local in so many aspects, his father had a combative relationship with Bob Grant. Yeah, on WABC in Manhattan, who kind of ruled. Talk radio in New York yeah. before there was Rush on Bar. He was like, he was kind of the first radio talk show host to be combative. Yeah, he kind of set the, the tone for that. He was Italian American. I think his last name was Gigante. I don't remember. From Chicago, Neapolitan background, and he called Mario Cuomo the Sfacim. Yeah, and he made Sfacim a household word in New York <laughs> did, for a yeah. while. That's true. And there were people who would call in and sing the Sfacim song. Yeah, in Neapolitan, which I have to give Bob Grant credit for keeping the, you know, yeah, keeping the And I remember because my grand used to love to listen to Bob Grant because Bob Grant would insult politicians with Neapolitan insults, which is something <laughs> you could only do in New York. Gagasot, and, and he would call these people these. And my grand thought it was like the funniest thing ever. And it was a, an Italian American playing on Italian American. You know, it's the same thing with the N word. You know, with with uh, Doctor Tambori at the Calandra Institute, we've had the conversation of tribal rights, yeah. right? So, if you're tribal, if you belong to the tribe, if you're an African American, do you have the right to use the N word? Another African American, but somebody else doesn't. So, if this guy was an Italian American, I called him Fredo. Is it does it change the, the yeah, discourse? Yeah, it's a great question. So you know, if this guy we don't know this guy, right? So he reacted and said, "That's an Italian insult." Yeah, right? but he asked him if he was Italian. The guy said no. Another guy. Didn't the guy say part? part the other something guy, like the that? other guy with them, I guess, with the camera or whoever. I mean, you can't really tell much from this clip. Sure, but if if it was a new, if it was definitely a member of the tribe from New York, yeah. right? And he called him Fredo. Would his reaction have been the same? 
if he had stuff that was indicative of being Italian right. American, right? And I'm not trying to make a joke out of no, like, no. kiss me, I'm an Italian button on yeah. him, you know. Yeah. Does it change the conversation if the guy was Italian American and called him Fredo? But then again, we, we, we never, I have never heard anyone see Fredo as an Italian American slur. Yeah. Until this. But I think what's behind it is the fact that they remember their father being called a mafioso by Clinton's yeah, conversation totally with, with Jennifer Flowers. So I think that that's the set-off in this. I think the poor guy's being slammed around. I mean, everything is Fredo this, Fredo that. The, 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 the image of a character that hasn't been predominant in, in decades is out there everywhere online. I mean, did you see the New York Post cover with Governor Cuomo, Governor Mario Cuomo in the center, and Chris all... Photoshopped their heads, photoshopped onto the bodies of the Corleones. I mean, like I don't think you any could other hate group. you could hate the Cuomos. Nobody would stand for that. No, it's ridiculous because no one else could get away with it. No, I can't imagine any other group having that done to them because it goes back to it goes back to a mafia theme. Yeah, a, and what is what is it? What does the mafia theme say? The only way an Italian American could get ahead would be through illegal means because yeah. they're too stupid to do it. On, they're too stupid or too morally corrupt to do it honestly. Yeah, that's the underlying premise of this. And and, and that's the thing that I think that's getting lost. It's like, yes, if you look at the literary and the cinematic character Fredo, he's the bad guy. He's the one who turns on the family. He's the one who betrays their trust. But I think that this is more about the fact that it was a character from The Godfather. There, there's all this mafia undertone to it. And I would be upset by that. Yeah, but how many Italian Americans revel in it? Yeah, it's crazy that it's there, and, and I do think you're right. I think there's a lot of people who play up to it, and we don't obviously want to get into a conversation about the mafia stereotype. But I, I can well, see where this would have been very. Offensive. Someone said to me recently they they work in a there's an Italian American who, who works in a part of the country where Italian Americans are few and far between, and they're from New Jersey, and they said, oh, the best thing that could happen at work is people think that I'm in the mafia because everybody would leave me alone. And, like, what's the underlying premise in that? I mean, like, there's a chuckle-chuckle amongst us, but what's the underlying premise in this? Is this is, is uh, this what we have to trade on? I don't know. Like, for me, I'm not bothered by the movies so much because I can separate portrayals, but when we make jokes like that amongst ourselves, I just think it's dumb. I'm like, why would you, you know... But it gives us an identity. See, I, I think what we keep coming back in the podcast is that we're a group of people that's removed because we're going to evolve differently, right? Yeah. If you go back to the Darwinian evolution of species, right, you're going to have Italians in America and Italians in Italy that are going to evolve differently. With the, number one, the Italians in Italy are going to say you're not even Italian. That's going to right. be the first thing. But we're like a Creole population, right? We yeah. don't really have that term in the United States. So you have people, if, if they didn't self-identify as Italian-American, this podcast wouldn't exist. Yeah, exactly. That's number one, right? And it has to be plenty of young people because they're the ones listening to podcasts. Yeah. So if you, if you take that, I think we're very unique that we have a subsisting self-identification with uh, Italian-Americans. You know, so you have people who are, they're one one sixteenth Italian, they're like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm Italian. So there's an identification with it. Um, there's been perceived a coolness factor, which, you know, like people say, well, how can you say people who commit crimes and commit murders is a coolness factor, but society has adopted that because they portray mafiosos as these well-dressed, slick guys. Yeah. But what I'm trying to say is, that's theater, right? Yeah. But people identify with that because they're looking for an identity, yeah. right? And I don't know why anybody would want to embrace that as an identity. No, I don't either. But there's people who do. And the fact that they do shows that it ha it's, still, it's, it's still a player in, in the teeth. stage. Yeah, sure, it has teeth. teeth. Yeah. Is it a ghost that ever goes away? It baffles me every time this comes up. And this one was a, a glaring case of it. And it made national and international news. And uh, I thought to myself, I can't believe... 
we're having this conversation. And I and then I couldn't believe on top of it that the that the New York Post would run this cover. I just thought it was absolutely shameful. And like I said, it goes back to the Cuomos and the nineties and the Clinton comment. Yeah, and the Cuomos, for better or worse, they've always been identified for their Italianness. They have never denied no their Italianness. They never ran from it. They yeah. never changed their name. Very they proud, never very tried right in the community. Yeah. And they've been active in the Italian American community. Their mother was. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So Sisters, yeah. with the Italian language, so they 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 have been very much. They've taken full ownership. I don't think there's any other Italian politician on a national level who has ever identified uh, with being Italian or proud to be Italian than they are. Nancy Pelosi. May Nancy Pelosi. And, 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 and not that he's a politician, but Antonin Scalia. I would put those three. In the in my experience of having interaction yeah, and, with all and, of them, and if I could just say this on the podcast, I, I don't want to like stir up things, but people get offended because we've had people who are identifiably political on this program. But what we're, what we're here is to have a civil discourse on Italian identity, yeah. right? So you can agree with someone, disagree with someone, hate their politics, hate them, think they're immoral, think that whatever you want, think about them. But the fact that they that they identify as Italian American is very much. What we're trying to do. What we're trying to do is, go, I think part of, I say all the time, John conned me into this because <laughs> I never wanted, to, I didn't even understand what a podcast was. But I, what, what has in, endeared me to this is that it's an exploration of, as, of an identity, yeah. of the identity that we all partake in. And then there's a lot of Italian Americans, a lot of Italian Americans who think that getting offended over this is ridiculous. Oh, yeah, yeah, a lot of people, a lot of reaction. I mean, there's so many layers to this that it's hard to come to a consensus, but. I almost like almost cathartically need to talk about it with you and talk about it with our audience here because it's such an interesting moment of taking the pulse of what this community and is. But what what angers me is that when they use the mafia excuse, they say, well, that's that's how they got there because there was no other way they could get there. You know, obviously these things wear out over time and they become universally accepted. And I, I, I don't know. I think a lot of this comes back to the idea that our communities rarely been. One for political unity. If you poll Italian Americans, the last time we polled when I was at NIAF, it was like you could have predicted it. It was 33% to the left, 33% to the right, 33% in the center. I mean, it's a community that's never really spoken with a unified political voice, never been a voting bloc, really. I mean, can't agree on a meatball recipe. Yeah, that's so what Savino says. Yeah, how, so can you unite a, how, how can you unite a people who can't agree on a meatball recipe? How can you recipe? then positively or negatively collect to impact the portrayal and perception. But then, but then take, you know, I think that we all circled the wagons around the Cuomos in the sense that um, even if this guy had no malintention in this, he had malintention the fact that he was provoking Cuomo from what we've seen on the film. Agreed. He used Fredo in an insulting term. Agreed. Was his intent to use it as an ethnic slur? The, did he consciously or unconsciously use it as an ethnic slur? I don't know. I don't know if that was the case, but I think that's what brought this conversation up. Yeah, you're always going to have crazies and and provo- provocateurs, and that that's just part of the course of humanity, right? Yeah. And and this guy got his 15 minutes of fame, whether he wanted it or not. It's there now. But my question is, how can the media come out? Because I read some of the media, and I was trying to figure out the age of some of the people writing, saying that there's no such thing as Italian slurs. Like, where is he coming from? It's crazy. And Dago and WAP and Guinea and and the and the Italians who were lynched in New Orleans. I mean, um, if you want to say it it, didn't, it doesn't happen now or it happens less now, we're going to argue that. Right. 
But how, I mean, what pool of ignorance do you swim in to say that it never existed? Yeah, it's amazing. It, it's, it's evidence that our community sort of leapfrogged from like a very distinct minority, both socially and ethnically, and within the span of two generations, leapfrogged into the mainstream. And so there are people out there who can't fathom that there was ever any anti-Italian. I, I disagree with you. I disagree with you in a sense. I don't think it's that we leapfrogged into the mainstream completely. I think that the American educational system is selective on the stories that they tell. Well, you have, whether on purpose or not, you have transitioned into the the next piece of news that I really wanted us to talk about. And this one, even more so, frankly, because it covers a lot of our shared interests. So about a year ago, the city of New York, under the leadership of the first lady of the city of New York, Shirley McRae, the wife of Mayor Bill de Blasio, had planned uh, an initiative to honor women because she felt there were not enough statues around the city, rightfully so, representing women because the majority of them throughout history had been built to honor men. So they created the She Built NYC Project, which was an endeavor to balance the, uh, the representation. And so they went out, they took a public poll, and they asked residents of the city who they thought would be the appropriate women to receive, I think it was seven statues, and the highest vote-getter in that public uh, poll, out of 320 women, 1,800 suggestions came in, 320 nominations, and the highest vote-getter at 219 votes was Mother Frances Xavier Cabrini. Now, for those of you who are uninitiated, not only is she an Italian immigrant from northern Italy that came here, she is the foundress of the Cabrinian order. She started 67. She was a pioneer. Let me just, just say this, because someone's going to tune out, they hear none, and they, the, for the non-religious listeners, I don't care if you're an atheist, yeah. if you're not Catholic, you're not Christian, I don't care what you believe in, no one can deny that she was the international pioneer in migrant and immigrant services. A- absolutely. absolutely. She wrote the book. Wrote the book. Created the movement. She, she created, she, she came... Uh, am I cutting you off? Well, no, because I, 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 I no, get all right. Nothing gets me wrong up by this. This lady, not only did she get the most vote, not only did she do all this. My, uh, subtext: She's the first canonized American saint ever, right? We're talking about ever. Take that off the tape. I'm going to just say this. Yeah. I had said a long time ago, the American experience in 2017 was the 100th anniversary of the, can- of the death of Mother Cabrini. Yeah. Never mentioned the word saint. Yeah. Never mentioned the word nun. Never mentioned the word Catholic, and she wouldn't have one less drop of worthiness. Absolutely true. To be an American icon. Yeah, especially today in this conversation on immigration that is tearing our country apart. Here, here is a person who exhibited all of the best qualities of appreciation for what immigration means. To this you country. could be on the left, and I, I'm, I'm yeah, not no, trying to make right. this You're right. right. No, but it's you know, like like Francis Cabrini's. Goal was, you know, um, one problem. I'm gonna give you, I don't even, I could go on. We're gonna do a Mother Cabrini episode. We yeah, decided this. That's really important. Because there are so many Italian Americans now who do not know who she is. And we, okay? and we have some, and friends. I'm telling you right now, if you don't listen to that episode, stop listening. I don't want, I don't want you listening. If you don't know who she is as an Italian American, like I said, I don't care if you're an atheist, a communist, a Zoroastrian, whatever you are, Catholic. Whatever religion, whatever lack of religion you have, you as an Italian American have an obligation to understand what this woman did. Yeah. 
for the Italian community and for migrants in general. Really, she she Everybody. she she coined the whole the whole concept of immigration. Yeah, was handled by was was really. I I I I regret that I do not have the language to properly articulate how important this woman is and what she did. Yeah, because prior to Mother Cabrini, immigration is seen as the transference of population. And Mother Cabrini really humanized it with, with services. With She humanized it. She, she protected vulnerable women. She protected yeah. vulnerable families. She protected broken families. She protected orphans. She concentrated on education. She wanted to have the Italians... Because this is the big concept that separates Mother Cabrini. If you go back to Europe, the European concept of migration before the mass migration to the United States was that it's more the Habsburgian, Austro-Hungarian, Holy Roman Empire mentality of you had countries that were 70% blank, let's say Hungarian, right. but you had pockets of Slovaks and Romanians, right. and you were always Slovak and you were always Romanian, and you had your religion and you had your language, and this mosaic made a country. Right. Nations were not conflated with nation-states. Right, correct. One of Cabrini's major goals was to help the Italians integrate into America, not to lose their identity, but to become members of American society, become Americans, yeah. right? You could say hyphenated Americans, become Americans. Um, she had a lot of problems. People don't realize this. Mother Cabrini worked very hard to establish schools for Italian immigrants in this country. Absolutely. The pushback she got from a lot of Italians who didn't want to send their kids to her school was she taught in English. <laughs> because Cabrini felt that it was important for the kids to learn English because they were going to be in the United States and they were going to be functioning in the United States and their language of the United States is English. A lot of the early Italian immigrants were of the... Because we, the Italians and the Hungarians had the largest rate of return. Yeah. They thought they were going to come here, make money, and then go back to Italy and buy a farm and then become signora and own right. land. And a lot of them didn't want their kids to learn English, and they didn't want them to integrate because they said, okay, at one point we're going to make enough money and go home, which didn't happen right. for the vast majority of them. And for a multitude of reasons. The for a multitude of reasons, sure. But Cabrini was insistent on turning kids into, into citizens. Now, yeah. now, why is that? Because she felt that they should, be, they should have a part in, in America. In civic American life, dream, yeah. sure, not in civic life. That they shouldn't be a subsisting ethnic colony. Yeah. That's a million miles ahead of where the rest of the world was at that time. Yeah, you know, and, and she was a woman. So, so you have yeah. you have Sharon McCoy as a woman, but what what's what's the strikes against her? She's an Italian Catholic nun. Yeah, I, so I, she I, doesn't I, deserve I, to be on the list. I I don't like to get political on the show, but this one kind of infuriates it's, me. It's, it's, it's absolutely infuriating. Not only, not only was Mother Cabrini overlooked, all of the top vote getters were overlooked. So first of all, as a New Yorker, the first lady of the city then basically said, "Okay, thank you for all this polling and all this money, but we're actually going to pick ourselves." And when you look at the names that were passed over with Mother Cabrini, it's really atrocious how many incredible women in the history of the city who were top vote-getters in this entire city-wide poll didn't even get consideration. I mean, the thing that it drives me crazy because it was all a charade. It was all a sham. And not only Mother Cabrini... They didn't get the answers they wanted. But the top seven vote-getters didn't even get consideration sure. for these statues. And they picked the ones they wanted. Some of them very worthy, all of them probably uh, important figures in the history of the city, but now these seven statues that are going up, the top seven didn't get them. Two of them are going up to transgendered uh, women. This is a monument to women. I mean, it's it's so political. It's so one-sided and so absolutely farcical. Why why come to a community and ask for their contribution if you don't don't want to take it? 
I mean, yeah. it's insulting. And I just think that, and when we have these topics, it disappoints me that people walk away from the podcast. Because if you disagree, say you disagree, write us. This is, this is an ongoing discussion. Yeah. But I don't know how you could stand. And I, I think some people are just, they're political and that and just blinds them, blinds everything that comes across. You cannot deny the value of Cabrini. You, you can't, you cannot, her, her, her contribution in so many aspects was so overwhelming. You know, she's buried in New York. Yeah. You know, her shrine is in New York. Her remains are in New York. How could you write this woman off? And the lady was superhuman in her tireless... Correct. I mean, she was all over the country. Every, we were in Buffalo. There was Cabrini Shrine. She prayed here. She was in... Uh, like I said, we moved, take, take the Catholic yeah. aspect away. Yeah, just an incredible crusade. Why, why, why is she venerated in Newark? Because she did so much for Italian orphans, children in Newark. Yeah. You know... Um, she was the mother of so many immigrant children who were orphaned because... 67 charitable foundations the woman started, many of which are still around. I mean, I, I don't understand how that legacy... And then the people spoke and said, this even, is who we Even want. the hospital works that she did in oh, New Oh, unbelievable. And then I think it goes to the fact that we're dismissed. Yeah. Because the only factors... It goes back to the Cuomo question. The only players they seem to tolerate are entertainers. Yeah. Because we, you know, the singer, you know, it's it's almost like, um, and it's not it's not to disqualify the singer. It's like we're almost like locked into the positions of what they feel is acceptable as the public face. Yeah, like a glorified organ grinder. Yeah, with the glorified organ grinders. But see, I also think the strength of the Italian family is the mother. Yeah. And people take Italians as a patriarchal society. They're really a matriarchal society. Absolutely. And I think that popular culture today does not embrace the Italian mother. And I think that the that the connotation of the Italian mother has to be discounted, yeah. and that's part of the parcel of the, the of the millstone that's around the, this Cabrini cause. Yeah, and, and here we are talking about a an effort, an initiative and, to as, honor women. And where and where is the mayor in this? I, I in the sense that he has, to his credit, a hundred percent to his credit, his uh, maternal family is from Sant'Agata de Galti. That's Benevento, I believe. Yeah. He brought his kids back there. He went back there. He was very proud of being from there. It was very moving to see him there, how much it meant to him, to his credit. Yeah. I had seen him before he was mayor at Italian events in New, in, in New York. For, uh, absolutely. And Washington, you know, yeah. He, 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 he does identify, yeah. right? You can completely agree or disagree with his politics. Yeah. And they're polarizing. Yeah. There's people who love him and people who hate him across yeah. the board. But you cannot deny... That he has identified, he has self-identified as Italian-American. Yeah. I want to ask Bill de Blasio, when you and the wife are sitting down for coffee, how, how can you, and this is not a, a, a male-female uh, a, a play here, this is before someone responds, and this is not the politically <laughs> correct answer. How can you sit across the table and not say to her, are you out of your mind? Yeah. No, I don't know. Where don't are know. you represent? Where are you not standing up for... for and it's it's not because it's like you're standing up for a member of the tribe. Where are you in the in the scale of justice in this? Yeah, I don't know. I don't to know. have this woman now, if they came back and said, "Okay, Cabrini has a shrine in New York, she's honored at St. Patrick's Cathedral, and there's people who were not honored," you can say you cannot discount her value here, right? Mm-hmm. Say, okay, well, this, uh, you know, we picked, and I don't even know who's on the list. To be in all fairness, but we picked X, and X deserves. Um, a monument because they have no representation in New York. That's a different argument because you're saying, okay, yeah, Caprini is an extremely valuable person, but um, 
she's on it somewhere else. But to discount her, you know, it's 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 a completely insulting. It goes back to Mario Cuomo getting getting refused from those forty jobs because of his name. I agree with you. If yeah. if if Francis Cabrini was from a different ethnicity, would the mayor's wife have dismissed her from that list? Well, let me. I, I, is she an easy target because it's just. Is it is it dismissing her because she's an Italian American? I think so. I think because she's not going to have. There's not going to be a community uproar. There hasn't been, right? There probably should be, but again, most people don't even know Mother Cabrini's legacy. That's our own fault. But included in the list, you that, have to listen. Yeah, <laughs> we do. We're, we're trying to put together a group of people who are experts on Cabrini. When that happens, you have to listen, and you have to teach your children, and your nieces, and your nephews, and your cousins, and the the neighbors next door, because people need to know who Francis Cabrini was. I'm sorry, John. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, what I've seen from the list, Mother Cabrini, who was the top vote-getter, was rejected. Another one of the top vote-getters that was rejected was Elizabeth Warren Roebling, who uh, basically took over the building of the Brooklyn Bridge after her husband, John Roebling, died uh, in the middle of the project. The pianist, Dr. Janet Schneck, who founded the Manhattan Music School, they were all top vote-getters that, that were stricken from the list with Mother Cabrini. And the names that were then chosen by... First Lady McRae and the former Deputy Mayor Alicia Glenn were the jazz singer Billie Holiday, civil rights activist uh, Elizabeth Jennings Graham, abortion rights activist Helen Rodriguez Trias, and uh, an LGBTQ activist named Sylvia Rivera, um, who was uh, a drag queen rioter at the Stonewall Riots and started a group called STAR, Street Transvestite Action Revolutionaries. I think there's a little bit of political bent to the names that have been chosen on these lists. I think that's abundantly clear. You're not going to find a media source that says there isn't. And I just think it's unfair to the city, and I think it's most unfair to the legacy of this great If she had come out and said, listen, we all know where she stands politically. I feel that my my political perceptions have not been recognized in the city. And I'm looking for people who, who fit the profile of the ones who were chosen. Yeah, if she said that this is the list, yeah, you could disagree with her, but it's her prerogative. It was her prerogative, and you could not say, okay, there's some kind of intellectual dishonesty in this. Yeah, but to come and say, I just want a list, and to reject because it's clear that Mother Cabrini was rejected because she didn't fit into that yeah. the the qualifier. Then, so what are you saying? You're saying, well, I'm rejecting her because she doesn't fit into what I perceive as female leadership. Yeah, or or the or the political message I want to get. Sure. Across. So come come out and say that, but yeah. don't you can't you can't dismiss the woman who came in as the top contender. And then again, she wasn't the right ethnicity because we're not. Again, we're a community that is is has less and less political impact in the city. Yeah, and, I mean, and would this have happened in the '80s when there was a lot more of Italian American votes in places like Staten Island, the Bronx, Brooklyn, and Queens, sure. the outer boroughs? And think about like you talk about statues and representation. Then it begs the question: What statues do we have? We have Columbus Circle, which is under attack now. To the mayor's credit, his panel on statues did vote to uh, preserve Columbus Circle after a lot of actual action from the Italian American. But it came. Let's be honest; it came very close to it came very close to disappearing. So I want to ask them the same question. Because remember, for those of you who don't know, because you're not from New York, or if you're from New York, you're not familiar with the statue, there's two arguments to the Columbus statue. The leading cause of why it was um, landmark is the fact that the Italian-American community in New York, through the, the, the newspaper El Progresso, which was the Italian-language daily, the number one Italian-language daily in New York in the 1890s, raised the money for that statue because they felt it was almost like a peace offering 
of why the Italians could justify their their presence in America after the lynching in New Orleans. Exactly. Yeah. So Italian Americans like, oh, listen, we are, we 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 deserve to be treated by somewhat like humans because it was an Italian who found the place. Yeah. Okay. That's a compelling story. So it was really, please accept us. Please yeah. accept the Dago and the Wop, who's, who's the street cleaner and who's laying brick and who's the organ grinder because the same DNA that's in us was in the people that did stuff like discover the new world. Right. And, and, but I mean, but you go you, through the monuments of the city, you know, you got that. Well, hold on. I, I just yeah. want to say one thing because someone's going to go out there and say, well, he didn't discover the new world, the Lee Ferrickson, he was a horrible but Say whatever you want about that. Yeah. Wherever you stand. You cannot take simply the fact that us, our people, put that statue up as a peace offering to an America that was rejecting them, saying, please accept us. With private donations. With private donations from Italian, and please accept us yeah. that we do, we did, we have people that were had a major impact on the U.S. Yeah. I'm glad we're having this discussion. I'm glad that this is a part of what we're doing, because, you know, when we set out to do this show, it wasn't just about entertainment. It wasn't just a chance to get together and talk about how great we are and recall memories and traditions and the quirks of our Italian-American experience. It, it really is to be impactful in this community, to move and evolve forward who we are as a people, to keep us aware uh, of what's going on. And, you know, this might not be the most entertaining episode, but I think it's a, an important public service to, to put out there to this 25-million-person community that may not know what's going on uh, that impacts our legacy, our history, our culture and community, and really who we will be in the future. So uh, this is going to be an unfolding story. We're going to be here to cover it, be here to bring you updates. But also, as I talk about this, I think we have to be here um, more and more and more in a role of action, uh, as, a, as a call to action for people who want to get involved, but also to set an example. And I know for myself, this thing really bothers me, the lack of real justice and how it was handled, but also the injustice against a great woman, a great Italian-American, a great American, and a great citizen of the world. So so we're going to continue to, to cover this. I hope you guys have enjoyed. I hope you feel updated. If you're moved to action, reach out to us. Uh, we're, we're, we're happy to be here as a central place for people to to act on, on our, our heritage and culture. If you're out there enjoying Ferragosto, Bon Ferragosto, enjoy the weekend. Get some rest. Get some sun. Do what you do. Spend some time with the family. Make sure you have the Italian American podcast in your earbuds. And we'll be back to you next week with another episode of the Italian American podcast. So see that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born in Italian if you want your life to be great. See that you're born in Italiano and your life will be great. See that you're born in Italiano 